Welcome to Cinema of Meaning, the podcast from myself, Thomas Light, and fellow video essayist Tom Vanderlinden from Like Stories of Old, that seeks to explore the depths of what cinema has to offer. This week, we'll be talking about David Fincher's film, Zodiac. Tom, what was it that made you interested in discussing Zodiac? Zodiac has always been, strangely enough, like a comfort movie for me. Like it's a, I think of all David Fincher's films, this is the one I, I'm not, I don't think it's necessarily the best. Uh, he's made a lot of other great films, but it's one that I have probably rewatched the most. And a while ago I saw it pop up on Reddit, like it does so every now and then, like someone saying like, this is the, uh, my favorite Fincher film, or I love rewatching this film. And that always makes me go like, oh yeah, that's so right. Like I want to rewatch it again. And it's just a weirdly fun film almost, even though it's based on like real tragedies, but it's yet it's, it, it draws mm-hmm. you into its mystery in such a fascinating way that it becomes compelling as much as it becomes or as it is horrifying and horrible to, especially when you consider like the real world victims and yeah, just the whole world, the real world tragedy of it all. I'm literally just getting a emergency message on my phone, oh, no. like ur- urging citizens to stay inside. <laughs> if you're listening to this right now, it's a storm Eunice. It's going over like Western Europe right now. And I think it's, it just arrived at my home. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you hear wind in the background of Tom's audio, that's that's why. Yeah. If this was uh, the last episode, it's uh, it was my honor. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm mostly interested in talking about um, just the sort of anatomy of a murder mystery movie. Like, why does something so uh, horrifying compel us so much? And why does it trigger such fascination? And what does it say about us? What does it say in, in the context of Zodiac specifically? Like, what kind of characters does it create? How do their relationships evolve and come together and fall apart over the course of the movie? And what does that say about, like, human nature in general that's the stuff i was most interested about yeah with regards to zodiac it's interesting you say that because in watching it again it was striking me that i think in a lot of ways this it is a it is a murder mystery Mm -hmm. but in a lot of ways it's a movie that i don't think is necessarily like about the murder it's murders Mm -hmm. or even about the specific to me if feels like a movie that almost isn't about the Zodiac specifically as much as it is about like everything that surrounded it and how people responded to it. And like you're saying, the way a mystery can engage us and intrigue us and like get us involved in this narrative and we can become obsessed with like solving the mystery and the puzzle and trying to figure things out. That's really what the movie like showcases and the, the journey that it takes us on is like going down that path and there is horrifying elements like it depicts murders as especially at the beginning but then it kind of like leaves that behind and and spends most of its time with the characters who are thinking about this trying to solve this mystery for as much as the zodiac himself was obsessed with like how he was being perceived i think it's also a movie that spends not that much time actually focused on the killer except when is necessary because of he's not the character so much as like everyone who's trying to figure out who he is is Mm -hmm. so i think that's interesting 
I also just think it's a fascinating film in how it like starts out as one thing and then kind of turns into something else. Like it's a movie that's like very in the moment in each scene. Like the characters are very kind of like obsessively focused and it feels like the movie is always as focused as the characters on what's happening in that moment mm -hmm. to the point where you kind of almost forget like where it's at narratively. It's just like you're in it focused on whatever it is. Like when you're with Jake Gyllenhaal's character, you're obsessed with the story along with him. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, it moves in and out of that and along. So anyway, we'll get to that stuff. But yeah, uh, I think it's a fascinating film. Also one of my favorite from David Fincher. So I'm, I'm mm -hmm. looking forward to kind of diving into it. Yeah. So do you want to start like right at the beginning with the the, the first murder that's depicted is um, actually one of the... It's it's not a double murder because one of them survives and he is yes. also the one who later recounts the experience. And I, I read somewhere that Fincher only put the murders into the movie that had been either witnessed by someone or that had been that had a survivor. So there's no speculation with regards to murders that happened without any witness reports or survivor accounts. So right. that's something that I thought was really interesting. Yeah. As you said, it starts off like one thing. For me, it starts off as a, it started off as just a rather basic whodunit. Like there's a, we start with this innocent couple. There's a mystery man that comes along and kills them, or at least one of them. And then the mystery begins. There's a message that's sent to um, the press, I think, to the newspaper it was, or and later also to the police, I think. But yeah, anyways, it, it starts off as this there's this whole setup of a spectacle and then as the years progress it sort of fizzles out a little bit at least in, yeah. in in real life and so the movie also has to account for that a little bit there's a bit of tension there i think between staying true to the real world story that's takes spans like multiple years and kind of fizzles out and trying to translate that into a film that usually with such a uh, mystery story uh, climaxes into like a big reveal or at least some showdown with the murderer or like uh, some revelation. Yeah. How do you think that influences Zodiac as just as a story, like not the the real world context aside, like just right, when right. you look at the film on its own? The structure is definitely fascinating. I remember the first time I watched it, I had, I knew nothing about the Zodiac Killer. So I was just going into it. Like I knew it was based on a true story, but mm -hmm. I had no concept of what happened. And if you go in with no expectation, especially I think like a decade ago or more when I would have watched this, I think we're more used to stories that deal with maybe unresolved mysteries at this point with kind of how much true crime stuff is out there. But this one, spoiler alert, is deals, uh, deals with an unsolved mystery. And so the way it sets up its story at the beginning, it very much follows in the format of if you've watched like crime serials on TV, it follows mm -hmm. in the kind of format where like you see the crime happening, but the face of the killer is obscured or you don't know who did it. And mm -hmm. then they go on this investigation and eventually the payoff you kind of expect is like, oh, eventually we're going to find out. Like eventually the Chekhov's gun, quote unquote, of the hidden face will be revealed and and we'll, we'll get to to see and in a sense like the movie kind of goes there and kind of moves towards suggesting like who it 
it might be or who people thought it was, mm -hmm. but we never get that payoff in the way that we expect to from kind of the format of story that it starts as. So I think there's a real like narrative subversion of like what David Fincher is setting up at the beginning and then what the movie ends up being. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of that's part of the story. That's part of what it is, because that's the reality of what the journey people are going on in real life. And I think it sets up this interesting contrast where you have a killer, the Zodiac, who is kind of interested in narrative. Like he's setting up this narrative of like, I do these murders and then I send these puzzles to the police. And that's a narrative that has an arc. And we kind of expect narrative completeness to that of like, mm -hmm. there's a mystery and what yeah. is a mystery for but to be solved. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, it doesn't go there. And instead, it ends up being a movie that's much more about obsession and mysteries themselves and trying to mm -hmm. and information and, and those kinds of things. Yeah. I remember being a little bit disappointed with the film when I first saw it back in, I think, 2007 that it was. Because it, I also wasn't familiar with the Zodiac Killer, except from like the name, and I knew it was a real, uh, real story. But I also remember it being, at least in, in my perception then, it felt a little pointless. Like, what's the point of this dedication? Like, why are we breaking down yeah. this mystery if I already know it's not going to be resolved? But yeah, I, I remember feeling like disappointed by the ending especially like there's no real climax there's a suggestion but you know it, it's framed as like this is Jake Gyllenhaal's character's personal conviction this is not like a statement of truth or like a yeah. definitive revelation but for some reason I kept coming back to it like I would forget about the movie for a while then think about it again and then revisit it and that's what fascinated me a lot about this film and I think it has to do a lot with also with the main character played by Jake Gyllenhaal, who mm -hmm. is essentially a character who has no stake in the mystery or at least in the investigation. You have, if you look at some of the secondary characters, there's the journalist who's uh, at some point is uh, threatened even and his, he obviously has his job on the line and he has a responsibility when it comes to what to report and what not to. Then there's the uh, police investigator by played by Mark Ruffalo. And there's a whole bunch of investigators at like different police stations, which creates some fun interactions as they try to share information, with the, which doesn't always go smoothly. But anyways, you get for them that it's it, it's their duty, their, it's their responsibility to engage with this. But for Jake Gyllenhaal's character, he's he kind of is the audience this character who's just yeah who just engages with it for the mystery he, he just he sees a puzzle and he wants to solve it which i think mirrors a lot like what the audience feels in such a story like it's almost an, an composite character for yeah the audience who has no direct connection to the story but is still desires to be in it in some way he wants to be a part of it yeah and i also thought like when you have some other, like if you think of other murder mysteries or mystery stories, there's almost a sadness to a mystery being solved because then it's, you're kind of done with it. So there's, even though when it's, even when the film has like a great revelation or a great twist at the end, there's still for me always this, like a little moment of sadness, like the mystery's gone, everything falls into place and you, it it's, might be fun to rewatch the movie like once to see like, oh, this is how that will fit in later and this is how that will fit in later a revelation changes the mystery like fundamentally so you can never experience it again 
not knowing. And with Zodiac Death or any other unsolved mystery, that element is always going to be preserved. Right, yeah. Or at least until they maybe get a breakthrough in the case in real life, like they, they catch yeah. who did it after all. But I think that's unlikely at this point, or at least uh, for the context of the film, I'm not sure if it would matter much. Could be interesting to see like where the film had it right or wrong, but right. um, for now, at least there's still the element of mystery is still preserved. And that I think that is also what keeps people enticed to keep coming back to it. That's also what still gives it, it stays fascinating in a way that other mysteries don't. Yeah, there's there's a line when Jake Gyllenhaal's character is working on, starts working on the book or has the idea to write the book. He's like, mm -hmm. maybe if I put all the information together, it will like jog someone's memory or like you know you know shake out the pieces and we'll figure out who it is mm -hmm. and i think it's like in the context of this being a real mystery i think there's that allure kind of exists within the movie itself to some extent where i don't think anybody has like truly has the fantasy of like oh i'm gonna watch this movie and like you know i'll solve the mystery but that kind of that feeling is there where you're like oh you know, theoretically, you know, I could put these pieces together and maybe like see a connection that other people haven't or something like that. Like you can become engaged with like, in, especially in the second half, like Jake Gyllenhaal's obsessiveness, Robert's obsessiveness, because like there's still like a payoff out there potentially, mm -hmm. which I think is fascinating. I like that you can see that in the relations between the characters. Like, I, I really love how, especially at, I think it's in the second half of the film, that uh, everyone else has pretty much dropped the case except for Jake Gyllenhaal's character. And then he tries to get information out of the detective. And he's like, I cannot tell you this. And I certainly can, yeah. cannot tell you that you should look there and there. <laughs> <laughs> he's so sick of him. And then there's, there's that great scene where like he's finally putting most of the pieces together and he like entices Mark Ruffalo into like going to a diner with him and like finally sharing all the information mm -hmm. that he has. And they like they really bond over like we see Mark the Mark Ruffalo characters obsessiveness a little bit in the first half. But then like the second half of the film really focuses on Robert. But when that moment happens, you can still see that like the same brain worm mm -hmm. of like really wanting to figure this out and really caring about the mystery mm -hmm. has is still in Ruffalo's character's head this entire time. Because like, yeah. even though he's annoyed and even though he's like, I can't tell you anything, leave me alone. He gets caught up in things again when Robert comes to him with like a bunch of with some new information or whatever he like can't help himself yeah i think that's what part of what makes zodiac in particular so great it knows where to place the conflict like i think a lesser film would have said like would have played it more directly like you would have like jake gyllenhaal's character robert try to get information from the detective and the detective would be like no i cannot give you that and they would take that as the point of conflict like there's an yeah. interpersonal conflict but this film knows no the real conflict is we want to solve this mystery we want to engage with it and so i like that they kind of go beyond the superficial conflict and they they create all these little bonds between the characters because he's not the the other detective too he's at one point robert goes to a detective at a different station or like a different county yeah and i think it was about trying to get a hand uh writing example from one of the suspects and he's like 
he explains to Robert, like, you can do that by getting a warrant, which you can't, or by right. having him volunteer, which you probably won't. And so then he suggests, like, you can get creative. Right. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's helping, trying to help each other out, like, almost secretly, which yeah. I thought was really fun. It really, the film is really on board with you as the audience who has a real desire to figure this out. Doesn't punish the audience, I think, for wanting to get into the mystery and for wanting to get into the nitty gritty of of what happened and, and all the little details of it and trying to help them form their own opinions. Yeah. For example, I also really like the moment they first break one of the ciphers. Uh, at first, it's like they are like, uh, oh, this is the cipher. Some couple uh, somewhere broke the code and here it is. And then later, they also, Robert Downey Jr.'s character explained to him like how he did it, like how he explains yeah. like, oh, you have to, what's the two most common letters or like, uh, I'm not sure what it, what's called in English, the, the double L's. That's, uh, and with that, you, and you can probably guess what word he uses. So you can, as a murderer, he probably uses kills. So then you have, you look for those symbols and it's a movie that really makes you feel smart. It, it takes you on board and it, it really brings you along with the investigation as, as, as if you're like an intern working the case and who has to pick it up where it's left off at this point. Yeah. Which actually, I think that's actually what happened. I think the the movie actually caused the case to be reopened. I'm not sure what, what came of it, but I read somewhere that there was it sparked a whole new interest in the case, which is understandable, I guess. But yeah, it's still fun how a movie can provoke something like that yeah the the context of this movie i think is very interesting because it's very much about this obsession with true crime with actual crime mm -hmm. but the movie itself kind of precedes the like modern resurgence with of <laughs> like true crime podcasts and shows like mindhunter which was also uh started by david fincher and since this movie culturally people have become very obsessed again with diving into true crime and trying to solve mysteries as like civilian investigators essentially yeah this movie engages with both what is valuable about that and also the pitfalls of that really well i think like one of the things that really stood out to me is how much this movie is about information and media mm -hmm. so much of the conflict like you were saying, in trying to solve the mystery, but the obstacles of trying to solve the mystery is not like going out and looking for clues. Like those things mostly happen like off screen. The conflict of trying to solve the mystery, especially for Robert, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, is like trying to gather information. The show mm. or the, the film is mostly about the flow of information. They spend a lot of time focusing on like all these different police departments have different pieces of information and they're trying to share it with each other. Reporters have information. The police have different information. The Zodiac is like helping as well. He's sending clues or Gyllenhaal is trying to put these pieces together. Different people are putting these pieces together. He's trying to get information out of the police department and information is flowing through media channels like the newspaper and letters and phone calls. The media is very present. Like we see the TV, we see the newspapers, we see like all these elements. The film is not entirely uncritical of like the way in which that the kind of the excitement of that and the like mm -hmm. raw, it fuels a certain like we already see the movies that come out of the story in this movie. We see the news reports that come out of this and we see how the Zodiac himself is kind of 
engaged with this idea of like appearing in the news or being a part of this story where mm -hmm. he kind of falls off for a while. And then once Gyllenhaal starts investigating him again, he it like reinvigorates him and he starts like sending out letters again. And there's this relationship between like the investigator and the revelation of information and the story of what's happening in a public sense and sort of like the allure for the Zodiac of like creating this mystery. Because, you know, in order to create a mystery to be solved, mm -hmm. you need somebody trying to solve it on the other end or there's, you know, there's no point to that. I think the film does like a really good job of making all of those things like present and very much a part of the story. Like mm -hmm. it's very aware of the relationship between what's happening kind of in real life and how the spread of that story, you know, is affecting things and it's all interrelated and all tangled together. Yeah. Where do you think that comes from? Like our fascination with true crime and with such murder mysteries or especially like serial killers? Because I think that's what the Zodiac Killer actively played into. He wanted to be mythologized, I think, to some extent. Yeah. Or at least it looks that way. Hall kind of says it at the beginning. He's like, I love a puzzle. Like that's one of the mm -hmm. first things he he says early on as he's starting to gain interest in it. And so you could say like, why do we why do we love a puzzle? I don't know what that is exactly. The same reason we we investigate the world around us and try to mm -hmm. you know learn more about it and uh, you know figure out what's true with science and and all of these things. But like I think that's the core of it. Like at at its heart, it's a puzzle to be solved and. There's something about that that puts hooks into our brain. Mm -hmm. Paul Avery's character at one point, like after years have passed, jumps way into the future and Robert tracks Paul Avery down, the reporter, and finds him at his house and is like still obsessing over this case. And Paul Avery's kind of like moved on or at least tried to move on. I think you get the sense that like Paul Avery has been obsessed as everybody else. Like there's these three like primary characters you have mark ruffalo jake joan hall and robert downey jr's character paul avery and mm -hmm. i think you get the sense that he's obsessed with everybody else but he's not able to cope with it very well and so he tries to like leave it behind put it out of his mind but he like can't at least in how it's portrayed in the movie i think he just ends up kind of like washed up or whatever mm -hmm. and you see how much this is eaten into him but anyway joan hall goes to him and he's like like, why are you obsessed with this? More people die in in the in their commute to work or whatever mm -hmm. than this guy has killed. And that's true. It's like there's we don't care about those incidental deaths that have mm -hmm. happened, but for some reason, you yeah. know, we're we're very focused on this. And Robert is like, Well, are you saying it doesn't matter? And it's like, well, it you know, it does matter, but proportionally, why does this matter so much more mm -hmm. than anything else? And there's two i think key things to that one is that it's a mystery and we're you know mm -hmm. we want to solve the mystery and the other is that it deals with something that's so visceral where it's like some part of our mind is like that could happen to me and it's very scary like i don't want to be murdered mm -hmm. that's scarier than dying in a car crash on your commute to work and i think there's some part of you that's like if i can solve it i can protect myself from that like Hmm, yep. threat in some way that's my armchair psychology uh, <laughs> assessment of the situation <laughs> yeah i was thinking because 
the other character by, played by Mark Ruffalo, he also makes a similar comparison. Like he points out to Robert um, or Jake Gyllenhaal, Charles' character, that by the time, like after all those years have passed, like it's not just that there have been other like accidental deaths. There's also been like right, right. countless other murders. Like it's not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. people kill each other like every day. Why does this one stand out? So, and then it's probably in part, I think, because of the, 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 the drama surrounding it, the th- theatricality of it. And I think people, people account for like occasional murders. Like it's no surprise to people in general that some people kill each other like on a regular basis. I think it's just when something breaks the pattern to some, or like the expected pattern of how a society works or uh, yeah. sort of uh, goes along day by day, that it just naturally piques people's intentions or attention. Like similarly, like right now, as we are recording this, there's a big storm going over the Netherlands where I'm at. Uh, it's it's a named storm. We don't get a lot of storms with names, and so people are like excited. They're like both like like excited in the in the sense like oh we're going, <laughs> I'm going to have to tie down my stuff and make sure right. that the, the the garden stuff the trampoline doesn't fly away. But they're also like you can you can sense the the excitement of people that there's something going on, like there's something to engage with, and so I think that it's probably to some extent that's what happened with zodiac it became such a something exciting or just something that something extraordinary is probably the best way to put it just like in the literal sense that it's 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 out of the ordinary day-to-day business of everyone and that's naturally going to attract like people and i think what works particularly well in this film is that you have a citizen uh perspective as the main point of view so Mm -hmm. as you said like you cannot the detective work is largely off screen because that's you can understand it as a as the audience member, especially if you're yourself are a police officer. But I guess that most people are not. But by identifying with the civilian character, you can really put yourself in the shoes of someone who isn't able to get a warrant and has to get creative, or who isn't able to interrogate suspects, so who has to rely on like other reports and favors of like agents and yeah. uh, officers who will help them and. It really becomes like the ultimate, almost like a fantasy in which you can be a part of like, and be even at the central place of such a mystery where you can be the solving character, or at least the one who gathers enough clues to form your own opinion. Yeah, I think that's what makes this film in in particular, there are other great murder mystery films, I think, but I think there's this one in particular that makes it so effective and makes it so enticing for people to keep return to. This film touches on an aspect of like the murder mystery story that I think like we don't get from a lot of other ones. Um, And, uh, you know, a lot of that is because of that perspective that it takes that I think is is unique Mm -hmm. and the way that it engages with that. I think it's also very much about like the idea of how we discover and understand the truth and like the difference between evidence being able to prove something and what's true uh, becomes kind of a central theme, especially in the second half. There's a line at some point, one guy says, you know how I know it's real? I saw it on TV. And Robert 
says to uh, Mark Ruffalo's character at some point, like, just because you can't prove it doesn't mean it's not true. And then there's this idea towards the end of Robert, like, he's not even trying to solve the mystery necessarily to, like, put put the Zodiac behind bars. It's like, he's just trying to, he wants to know. He wants to, mm. like, he just wants to know the truth. He wants to find some closure for himself. Yes, yeah. It's very fascinating to explore, like, what does that mean? How do we know what's true? And the intricacy of like discovering what's true, but outside of the framework of like the criminal justice system. And so like it implies like that kind of both Mark Ruffalo and Jake Gyllenhaal's characters believe that Arthur Lee Allen yeah. is like the guy. Like it kind mm -hmm. of suggests that that's the conclusion. Well, it, it says explicitly that's the conclusion that Robert comes to. Um, and it suggests that's the conclusion that both of them come to, but it doesn't give us an objective view of the truth. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't give us any sense of the information. We never get in the movie any confirmation of like what's no. going on. And so we are kept within the subjective perspective that they're within. Also a fun, fun fact on that note, like every time you see a murder happening or you see the Zodiac Killer, it's played by a different actor. So there's no... The film itself doesn't really have an objective bias towards one suspect. It's always yeah. It 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 keeps the mystery by changing it, changing the facts up a little bit every time. Uh, so you, yeah, you really know that at the end, Robert's or like Robert's conviction of who has done it. It's really his own. Right. It's not. Yeah. It, there's some hint that it's the definitive one, but I think it makes it clear enough that it's not for sure. Yeah. They do such a great job of sowing those little seeds of doubt too. Like when he goes to see that guy and he has a basement or when they show the uh, lineup photos to the kid who survived, or he's not a kid at that point, but to one of the mm -hmm. people who survived the murders. And he's like, it's this guy. Well, he had a round face like this other guy, but it's this guy. It's like those little tiny things yeah. help sow seeds of doubt. And, uh, and that's the reality in real life. My wife is a lot more versed in like the facts behind these stories than I am. And we were watching this together and she was filling me in on some of the stuff. And it's like, there is a lot of people who feel like Arthur Lee Allen is the guy or was the guy. Um, mm -hmm. But then there's also a lot of, you know, there's a lot of competing theories, a lot of reasons why maybe it wasn't him or how it could have been other people. And so to this day, it it, it kind of persists in that state of unknowing what, what's the name of the second closest suspect again was it was it rick marshall or the other they they kind of flip it around when he's in the towards the end robert goes to the house of the guy who he thinks is a friend of like the suspect yeah. but then it turns out like he has the his hint or his clue was the movie poster that was written with the same handwriting as the zodiac killer and then he goes to visit this guy and he's like oh no that's not his handwriting that's mine that's mine which kind of leaves uh, leads to robert uh, freaking out and it turns out that guy ha happens to have a basement which is a clue exactly. and very yeah. rare and i love i love that scene because it, it kind of like you're so inside robert graysmith's subjectivity and mm -hmm. it really makes you think about because at that point in the movie, or like shortly after that, he has a conviction that it's Arthur Lee Allen, but he still is so freaked out by this other guy. Yeah. And it really makes you think about how like our brains can go and our brains can operate in this very like confirmation biasy sort of way where 
you know, you can read that scene the way that scene's portrayed. It's like nothing the guy does is actually that sinister, but you're seeing it through the eyes of uh, Robert Graysmith. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, he's just he's just innocently going down to his basement to check his records and like turning off the light and like, you know, oh, he locked the door out of habit or like all these things. But you add that all together and like sprinkle in a little like, mm -hmm. you know, paranoia on Robert's part. And it becomes this like terrifying mm -hmm. suggestion. It's kind of an eerie scene, but I also wonder like when I rewatched it a couple of times, like I, I wonder to what extent the other character, um, I'm forgetting his name, but that he may might be aware that Robert now thinks like that he is the killer. Right, right. And he when he just sees him as this silly wannabe detective, so he kind of like messes with him, maybe like Yeah. He's having fun with the fact that he thinks that he's in a home with a serial killer, even though... He knows he's not. <laughs> the situation is actually completely ordinary, and it's just his, like, yeah. his silly fantasies about solving this case and being on track of the on the real killer. But You kind of get a sense of that in a few of his lines where he's like, I don't know, the, the performance from that guy uh, in that scene is, is really well done, where he, like, mm -hmm. just perfectly, like toes that line of being like a little bit suspicious but with a dose of like plausible deniability mm -hmm. um <laughs> yeah there's an element to it like he's deliberately hinting at robert that he's the killer almost yeah yeah it would make sense for this i think for the real zodiac killer like if you are someone who is that concerned with theatricality and your own mythos that at some point you might be tempted to reveal yourself just for the drama of it and just for the for the excitement of it but yeah i think that's not like literally what happens but it's there's a, it's an interesting scene for like multiple different readings you get that sense too from the arthur lee allen scene where you like it's played like he's really just like toying with the police officers when they come to interrogate him he's just like oh yeah seeing like how close can he get right up to that line where he's basically mm -hmm. just like deliberately giving them clues. You know, he's like, oh, he tells them he had bloody knives in his car, mm -hmm. even though like they didn't know that. And he's wearing the watch with the symbol. He's wearing the watch. Yeah. Like all of those things. Yeah. What's the final line again? Like something like, I, I look forward to the day that they stop calling cops pigs or something like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Such a weird thing to add if you're just like, a random guy who just happens to be dragged into this yeah. uh, investigation. but And that's what I love about the movie. Like when that scene comes along as the viewer, you're like, oh, that's him. That's definitely him. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, you don't know, you, you know, and the movie never, the movie never tells you if it is or not, you know, because we don't know. And then at the end, it again gives you a sense like, oh, maybe it's this other guy now. Yeah. Yeah. That last scene, by the way, in the basement, it also functions as a moment for Robert where it uh, he's been like busy with this mystery and he's been having fun sort of like but then he maybe that's for him a realization that maybe the moment he gets too close that's also when it becomes too real and maybe like yeah. even dangerous it feels like a realization for him that he's not doing a puzzle like he's doing like serious stuff this is like a real murder investigation this is like this might be really dangerous and that's I think that's also the scene that prompts him to 
ease back a little bit or to move on in some way. Yeah. Altogether, the film or like a murder investigation like this, it functions almost, um, or especially when you look at Robert's journey, it's it's a sort of microcosm for an existential crisis almost, or like a general existential struggle where Mm -hmm. we sort of come into this world with basically our whole existence is one major puzzle and especially one that we're not going to solve at the end, most likely. So I like how the film then, if you take the film as a metaphor for this, and then you see like how it's not about solving the mystery, but about the way the mystery impacts us, like how it drives us, how it uh, leads to people connecting to each other because most of the char- the main characters, they don't like each other at first or they don't care for each other or if they have no real reason to engage with each other. But they sort of bond over this mutual commitment to this mystery, to solving this puzzle that they are both or like that they're all part of, that they're all struggling with in their own individual lives. And it shows how focusing on it too much, like obsessing over over it too much is also not a good thing. It might lead to you breaking those same relations that you made in the first place. It may cause you to burn out or get lost somewhere in along the way. And so it's, it's unsolved at the end. So in the end, it's really the just the whole effort of the whole journey is the thing that matters. Like yeah, the real mystery is the friends that we made along the way, <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> Well, and and at the end, you can you can only land on like, oh, this is this is what I feel is true. I think is true. Yeah, that's what I was gonna add. Like, that's the last note. Like, in the end, you just have to find your own personal closure, like your own little nugget of truth that's enough to keep you going or to make you keep going and not get lost in the mystery, but also yeah, not detach from it completely. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting like comparison to make like i think that's maybe unconsciously what makes this film also so effective at keeping people engaged and keeping people coming back to it but yeah it's rare that a film is so fully committed to to such a subjective perspective Mm -hmm. in part that's forced upon this movie by kind of the reality of the story but like there's a lot of ways in which fincher could have given us a more objective nod towards things. And the fact that, like you mentioned, like he mm-hmm. used different actors for the different Zodiacs, like shows that he was paying close attention to kind of creating this experience that maintained a subjectivity. And I think that's a big part of that is like, in a sense, I think that's the allure of a lot of narrative is like, it often gives us this like, oh, there's a story and there's some characters mm-hmm. in that story, but then like there's the author. And so we get this like, objective view almost above the story yeah and we, and we can see like what's really going on at some point or we get little glimpses of it or there's a finality a sort of objective completeness to the narrative but those aren't really things that you like yeah you get within your life you are stuck within the subjective perspective and so to watch a movie or watch a story that that really goes the extra mile to maintain that perspective I think makes it makes it that like Mm -hmm. that exploration of those themes or those ideas uh, in such an interesting way. I was thinking too; it's so committed to the to being about the mystery at all times. Like you see personal relations develop and break apart. Like you can see Robert 
he starts dating this new girl, but on their first date, they get like they talk about uh, Paul Avery's character and how he might be in trouble because he's following this clue from this anonymous stranger. And so they, their whole date together is still surround or still revolves around the mystery. And then you see the detectives too. They they talk about their personal. You feel like you get a lot of insight into people's personal lives. Yet it always happens like in between the lines when they are really when they are working the mystery. So there's no. It wastes like no time on quote unquote frivolous things like or things right, like right. secondary elements. Like there's no no big scene at home where the characters just having dinner or like they really develop personal relations in the sense there's no date scene where they are just on a date. They are not having coffee and just having coffee. They're always in some way it's they every scene is committed to or connected to the case in some way or another. Yeah. Even at, I think at the end when Robert's relation has fallen apart, there's still, it's communicated so effectively and so straight to the point. I think there's a note that's left when he's just come home from the basement after the basement scene. And then, yeah, you see his empty home full of boxes and documents. There's that scene where she comes in, you kind of think she's going to hand him like divorce papers or something. And then it's just more clues for the, yeah. for the investigation. <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's the the movie is as obsessed with mm-hmm. the the mystery I think as like the characters are. I think that's what people love about it too. Like it doesn't sacrifice like character development or characters relations development if that's a term, but it manages to do it to all weave it all together in one really tight package that's never like meandering or unfocused or taking detours or filling time or threading water it's it's always on point it's always engaged and and that as 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 the audience or like as someone watching the film it, it always keeps you turned on as well like there's no scene where you can sit back for a while or take a bathroom break uh, because there's always new information like relevant information being revealed so yeah it's, it's i think it's a really a great film that keeps you that knows how to keep you engaged and that knows what the, what keeps the audience engaged, like what they want to see without sacrificing quality for it. Yeah. I really thought about uh, the sound watching it this time around. Like mm-hmm. the sound design is so, in a lot of the scenes where they're in like the um, newsroom or there's that scene where they go out to the taxi and they're investigating the crime. The soundscape that surrounds those scenes is so like rich and full and vibrant that that plays a role in like the immediacy of everything and like how deeply within the subjective kind of perspective of these characters we are because telephones are ringing nonstop. You can always hear sirens in the background or helicopters like flying overhead or there's just like for a period of time, especially in the like center portion of the movie, there's just this like unrelenting pace Mm -hmm. and you're like inside that the whole time. Uh, You never get this like moments break from things. Mm -hmm. And uh, that really like puts you there with the characters that are investigating things and, and uh, centers you like in those moments in what's happening. Yep. And just out of curiosity, this might be a bit off topic, but where would you rank Zodiac among other murder mysteries? I know it's one of your favorites, but... I was trying to think of what the other great 
uh, murder mysteries are that would top it. I think for me, Memories of Murder comes close. The Korean film. Memories of Murder is definitely on um, on a very similar wavelength. Yeah. That came out right before, yeah, a few years before Zodiac. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's a very similar story where it's it's like, mm-hmm. I saw that after Zodiac. So I don't know if that colors my opinion of things. And I want to watch Memories mm. of Murder again. I've only seen it, seen it once. I've only seen it once too, but it nevertheless left like a really strong impression on me. Yeah. Without going into spoilers, there's both in Zodiac and in Memories of Murder, there's the suggestion at one point. In both films, there's a detective asking a character for what the serial killer looked like, like a witness. And in both cases, the answer is like, oh, just normal, like a normal looking yeah. person, which I think is also an interesting point in what makes these mystery mysteries so fascinating that after all that buildup, you kind of expect it to be some kind of monstrous or like evil genius villain character but then this the idea that it's just like an ordinary looking person who could be who would not stand out if he walked past you on the street or something that i think is also part of what makes it so terrifying in a way that it really is just something that could be done by like anyone or like at least a normal look looking person but yeah i think that's something that both those films uh, really capture quite well i think I mean, those two are are two of my favorites for sure. And I think mm-hmm. part of it is that I like that. I don't know. There's something <laughs> there's some the, <laughs> there's something about the the standard uh, murder mystery MO of like a murder happens. Then there's an investigation. Then like mm-hmm. they catch the guy that I'm like, that's a nice story. But I think I tend towards things that are a little bit more. I don't know. They obviously they catch murders in real life so there are are ones Mm -hmm. that get solved but there's something about the unfinished unsolved mystery that like speaks to something about life that is a little bit more interesting where things don't always get this like nice bow on them Mm -hmm. you know you think about like seven or something it's a very different movie but also from from fincher and it's like i don't think about that movie in the way i think about this one because Mm -hmm. without spoiling anything you know it is kind of contained it's complete like the mystery of it is kind of i don't know contained within that yeah it's like i what i talked about towards the beginning like i think the whether the case is solved or unsolved significantly changes also the thematic impact of the story yes really a mystery that's solved can be really good, like a film like Seven or Prisoners or The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo even, or uh, even something like uh, Shadow Island. They have, like, they technically resolve their cases towards the end, but they still leave the audience with other thematic questions or, like, other philosophical dilemmas or conflicts or ethical dilemmas that still make you think about it but those are questions of a different kind than the ones that a story without a conclusion naturally generates yeah it's almost like two distinct genres almost like the you have the the genre of solved mysteries and this the genre of unsolved ones unsolved mysteries yeah yeah the perspective of it matters a lot too like uh bong we we've already talked about memories of murder but uh bong mm-hmm. Kino's mother is also a really interesting murder mystery but that puts you in a very different or i think about things like rashomon or so, 
something like that where there's mm. it's not yeah. just a murder but there's there's a crime involved and an investigation but that's it it's an exploration of like a different kind of subjectivity like mm -hmm. the the interesting thing about zodiac is that it's very subjective and it keeps us within a, a subjective perspective that the characters are, are inside but it's not like an unreliable narrator kind of subjectivity it's like we're seeing on screen we're seeing like the facts quote unquote but we're just limited to only the facts that like the characters have it's not like oh we're inside Robert Graysmith's experience and we're like seeing through his eyes and he's seeing a distorted mm -hmm. vision of reality. Yeah. It's like we're just limited to what he's seeing. I think there's a lot there's movies out there that explore subjectivity in a different way that are very interesting where you see through the eyes of a character and you see things that maybe aren't true or aren't reality and that's kind of a different a different story, a different theme and idea to explore. Yeah, this movie for me is one of those I think I'll keep coming back to periodically because there's a lot there. It's rich, it's thematically rich, but it's also, it's not just like handing you a nice little like moral tale like or single theme like on a platter. Like the characters in the film, you have to kind of piece together bits mm -hmm. of like what this, what this movie is about and it doesn't spoon feed the audience too much, I think. That makes it very interesting. Like I mentioned before, I love the way it deals with information and media and bureaucracy and the presence of all of those things and our obsession with them and the relationship between the people trying to tell stories and the people who are interested in the stories. Mm -hmm. There's a line, the different characters represent kind of different angles. You have Robert Graysmith, who's the audience potentially you have mark ruffalo who is the law you know he's trying to solve the mur mm -hmm. a mystery but he's constrained by a set of rules that he has to follow his end goal is like being able to to create consequences for the zodiac killer closure for him is not just like oh i figured it out you know i looked him in the eye closure for him is I've put the guy behind bars or I've created some consequences for this guy, gotten justice, but there's rules you have to follow to get that. And then you have Paul Avery, who is very much this like cynical character who is kind of like he at one point he says to Robert Graysmith, like, what's your angle? This is good business for everyone but you. Like he kind of mm. has this, I, he sees, he sees it as like, I'm a newsman. I'm profiting from this. You know, the cops get something out of this. The Zodiac mm -hmm. killer gets something out of this. Like, you know, he just has this cynical view of the whole thing as being like. He, he doesn't quite understand that someone would be genuinely interested in the puzzle. Yeah. Or any puzzle for that matter. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. He only sees like the benefit that's yeah. in it for himself and for the other people around mm -hmm. him. I love the, uh, the tension between all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with all that. There's one thing I would add, like, there's a comment I once read somewhere. It said that it's a movie about people who are good at what they're doing. Like, it's people who are or effective at working this mystery, like it shows. Yeah, yeah. Robert's character, he's good at puzzles. The other character, they're all good at poking around. They're all, like, following clues. And it's real fun to be identified with someone who is capable and who is skillful in that sense. As I said, I think I said it before, but it's. I think it's a movie that makes you feel smarter. It makes you feel 
like you could be on track of have forming your own opinion about who is the murderer or yeah. who's the Zodiac, which I think is just what makes the movie fun in simple terms. So yeah, I think that's for me what makes this film so interesting to revisit also like it's just in the most simplest terms it's people solving a puzzle and people just connecting with each other over a shared puzzle and even though they do not solve it they still like made some made some friendships along the way yeah yeah it's that's a great point about watching people be good at something because i think it's one of those rare stories where like you watch all these people do a good job and they're just thwarted they're not even thwarted by the Zodiac himself. They're just kind of thwarted by the circumstances of mm -hmm. the rules or just the way the chips fall or, or life just kind of like mm -hmm. gets in the way of their goal. And I think that's a very like, in a sense, like a very not romantic story, but a very true to life one. And I think it's probably a story that not a lot of people would like tolerate or enjoy watching, except we get invested in the mystery with them. And so that allows this story to be told that otherwise would, would be kind of, you know, the arc of the film is like a bunch of people try to do something and then ultimately fail because of a bunch of complicated life circumstances and, and little, like little things. On paper, that's not that exciting, but you have a real, a mystery to like carry you through that and it gets the job done. <laughs> Thank you everyone for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please check us out on our creator-owned streaming service, Nebula, where you can listen to all of our episodes a week early. Right now, the best way you can get access to Nebula is by signing up for Curiosity Stream, which comes with a free Nebula subscription. To learn more about that, just follow the link in the show notes, and we'll see you again next time.